Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. All right, here we go. Let's bring in uh, Adam Hill. We bring in Reno. Vegas is here. Cofield and Fort Collins getting ready for a Rebel game. Willie Ramirez is here as well. Adam, how you doing, buddy? What's up? My back? Good, good, good. How you doing? Good. All right, well, I want to jump into the officiating in about 20 minutes from Championship Sunday, but there was big news over the weekend. The Las Vegas Aces, Willie, get Candace Parker. Just how big is this, and what sort of legend is she, and what sort of player is she now? Well, I think she's still got it. I mean, she's obviously not at her peak when she was, you know, young or whatever, but, I mean, she's still an impact player. She's just a couple of years removed from being a WNBA, a two-time WNBA champion in Chicago. She won one in Los Angeles with the Sparks along with Chelsea Gray. It is an incredible addition to a lineup that was already stacked. Um, you're talking about one of the greatest WNBA players. You know, we always see these lists that come out for the NBA, the greatest 50, the greatest 75, the greatest 100, whatever. I mean, Candace Parker's one of the all-time greatest players in WNBA history. Adam and I talked yesterday about it. And, um, as, I mean, this is going to be one of the greatest WNBA starting fives in the history of the league. I don't know if it's going to be the greatest, but it is, certainly is one of the greatest. And uh, and then they picked up a, an additional free agent in Alicia Clark. So, I mean, they're obviously stacking things. Um, I know there are questions about whether chemistry with egos, but this isn't really a team that battled egos or anything like that. I think the biggest storyline is whether or not, you know, health, if they can all stay healthy, I mean, it's it's a power pack lineup. Yeah. I mean, look, I think on paper, you look at what they put together and it's tough to think of a time uh, in history that anybody is anywhere close to that. Now, I've heard a couple of people yesterday bring up some rosters and some teams that were unbelievably successful. Um, you know, I know Lindsay was uh, all fired about her links, and I heard about the links later in the day, actually. I was talking to uh, Sam Gordon and, uh, and Andy from over the, the paper that, that are around the team, and they said, yeah, those links teams were amazing. Right. Yeah, we're not saying they're going to be the best team ever. We're not going to say they're going to have the best record ever. All those things. It's on paper. Whoa, 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 whoa. wait a second, man. Wait, no, no, wait a second. We see eras change pretty quickly in developmental sports with small player pools like we saw this in female mma adam why aren't you willing to go down the path of hey the links were a long time ago this team is so athletic plays feeble ball that this group of wnba players would wipe the floor with the links of course they would what i'm what i'm saying is okay, let's go. yeah of course they would i mean that's not even love that's it. without love it that's not up for debate um, what I'm saying is, <laughs> it's not up for debate. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going a step further. Saying that we're saying this team on paper is yeah. the best lineup ever. Uh, that doesn't mean it's going to happen when the season starts. As you said, you can get some bad calls. You can get some bad injuries. You can have people just not, you know, co- being cohesive at some point during the season. But they, they obviously have a great coach as well. So everything's in place. That doesn't mean it's going to happen as the best team ever. Uh, we're just saying on paper, it's the best one ever. By the way, the Lynx number three. The Lynx were champions. I'll give you the sign. Come on. Um, the Lynx were champions as recent as 2017. So, uh, the, like, the era is really close. I was kind of setting you up there. One more thing on this, Willie. Now that Candace Parker is in with Vegas, will the league force 
the Seattle players to go to New York to try to form a super team there in a big market. I don't know if they're force is a strong word. I think that influence, I mean, obviously that it, it would be fantastic to see Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot join John Quell Jones, um, Sabrina Ionescu. I mean, that would be an incredible New York Liberty team. Um, but if Brianna Stewart would have stay in Seattle, I think the reason she's going to do it is because Courtney Vandersloot is going to go home. She is a Seattle native and wow. So, you know, they, she was negotiating with Seattle last year when Chicago was dragging its feet to sign her. And she told me personally, here, you know, we did a story, uh, I did a story on her while she visited Vegas. And she said, yeah, I was talking to Seattle. And at the end of this season, we'll see what comes about. But she would definitely be open to going home. Now, and remember, Courtney Vandersloot was a two for one deal with her wife, Allie Quigley. Allie is retired. So now teams don't have to worry about signing two players. They just have to worry about signing one. So if Courtney Vandersloot decided to go home, Brianna Stewart could stay in Seattle. And by the way, one other thing that would happen if the Aces played the Liberty in the final would be Ronis Grasso versus Darren Waller of the Raiders. Mm. What are you talking about with Waller? What's going uh, on here? I don't, I don't know. I don't, he's, he's a super fan of the Aces. Is, and, still, is this still, are we still attempting to keep this uh, on the down low? He's a big fan of the Aces. And uh, Grasso obviously is a big fan of the Liberty, as having uh, gotten just recently engaged to Sabrina. So, oh yeah, uh, that'd be very interesting. That would be concre- That would be what a storyline there. If Grasso's back, number three, Sean Payton is still not coaching anywhere. Did I miss anything in the last ninety minutes? I don't think so. He's he's not coaching this year. Like I saw him last week, he was arguing with some. Some tweet, a media source said, "This, these are the issues that Peyton had with the Broncos. And Peyton went right to Twitter, and he's like, no, 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 no issues, great ownership. <laughs> All good. Why would you do that? Why even waste the time? And for the Cardinals, the Cardinals, I think, are interested in Peyton, but they're also reaching out to other coaching candidates. He's not coaching this year, right? Adam, from your sources, he's not coming back. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's opposed to it necessarily. Um, but I think I do think what he's doing is, you know, A – really trying to play the market and and seeing how much you can actually get out of somebody and b um there is still the issue of compensation i I don't think he wants to go take over a place where the compensation would be astronomical we heard it had kind of lowered early in this process and now lately now that a couple teams are interested that's the other problem now that you have other teams you know everybody interviewing him and everybody's expressing interest now all of a sudden the saints again are all right two first like we thought it had dropped down to like a mid-round pick like, where did this come from? But it's because there's so much interest and, uh, you know, it seems like they're, he, I think the Saints are saying if there's going to be a bidding war, then let's make it a bidding war here too. And mm-hmm. they're trying to take advantage of that. So I, I think as long as that continues, it might not happen. But um, I think the, in the end, he can pick wherever he wants to go. And that's what he's doing. Right. And I think that when it's the, in, in reference to the Broncos, I think if he was, if, if he was interested in going to the Broncos, he would have already taken the job. I think that that, I think that he can, Bingo. he can have that job if he wanted it. Bingo. And I think the reason we haven't seen anything now, I think he's kind of like, well, okay, I guess we'll just drag this out. Now that Brandon Staley is staying in LA with the chargers in Inglewood. If, if it, that, I think that's the job he wanted. If he was going to go anywhere this quick, he would have, he, we would have heard that he was going to the Chargers, but Staley decides he's staying. Yeah. That job's not open. Now everything's open, and all these offers are coming in. The one big one everyone's talking about, if he wanted it, he'd already taken it. Broncos need to pull out. 
They need to drop out now. Yeah. How much longer are you going to wait? Yeah, you got to get Adam, somebody. Who, Adam, who was their number two choice technically? Because Harbaugh was really never in the mix. He got spooked by something. Who's well, the number so- two candidate? Sounds like they're meeting with Harbaugh again. No. Who's the, who's the number two candidate? Oh, who was? Uh, Quinn. So he's out. This, this is... Listen, we've been we've been through this locally. When you shoot for a big fish and they drag their feet for 8, 10, 12 days, at some point, you got to move on. Because then you start seeing the next level names. And for Broncos fans, and I'm, I'm sure for the players, you're like, wait, what happened to Sean Payton? Hmm. This is a freaking total mess. Number two. Well, Adam is over the moon today with the news that, well, you found out yesterday. With the winners of the championship games, that the punting situation was now cinched up for the Pro Bowl games. And who's your guy in all the NFL? Well, I have many, but uh, A.J. Cole would be who you're referring to for sure. Why do you like A.J. Cole so much? Uh, the Raiders punter. Well, first of all, he's, he's very fun to talk to, uh, very interesting anytime you do an interview. But um, our kind of Raiders paths are tied uh, somewhat, uh, where my first year covering the Raiders, my first time at training camp, uh, yeah. was when he was locked in a... Uh, punter battle with Johnny Townsend, and I got obsessed with it. And uh, do you remember, hey, Willie? Do you remember this when Adam basically chose his guy and declared war on Johnny Townsend? Well, my first, so it was a punter battle in training camp. There, every day they were going head to head, and I was up there in Napa. And I believe the first day of training camp, I called in. You had me do uh, Raiders reports every day from up at training camp. A lot and, of punting reports. And you kept, you kept asking about, oh, how's Antonio Brown? How's this? How's the pass right. game? Like, and no. I would be like, I don't know. I'm just watching the punter battle. Care. And day one, I said, AJ Cole is that dude. AJ Cole is him, as the uh, as the kids would say now. Uh, basically the first day. And you were like, what are you talking about? Townsend was drafted last year. He's a returning guy. And I said, I don't care. AJ Cole is that dude. And uh, I picked my uh, I picked my fighter. And uh, he ended up winning the battle. So it's just kind of been, you know, since since his Raider career started or mine started, uh, we're kind of on similar paths. So there was kind of that tie always. So uh, very happy for AJ Cole that he got in. And that is cool. there is a there is a real debate raging on the Internet right now because the Tennessee Titans fans were furious that Ryan Stonehouse did not get in uh, on the first balloting. And then obviously with Townsend out, oh, well now Stonehouse is definitely getting in, isn't he? No. Like, people are obsessed with distance of punts. That's not everything. First of all, it's net, not gross, that you're supposed to be looking at. Uh, They love the gross average of 53.1, which I think shattered the record. Uh, But it's about net punting. Who cares? Anybody could blast it. I think AJ Cole could average like 65 yards a punt if he wanted to. You're not going to be able to cover that punt. You You have to get it high. You have to position it correctly. And by the way, inside the 20... Stonehouse, 30 punts inside the 20, but nine touchbacks. What good does that do you? It comes back to the 20. A.J. Cole, 26 inside the 20, one touchback, one. That's why he's in the Pro Bowl. Number one. All right. So, all that being said, Adam? Uh-huh. Chiefs, Eagles, they're in the Super Bowl. Bengals, Broncos out. Raiders sending Derek Carr somewhere. We don't know. But now, hmm, there's still the question of where Terrific Tom is headed. We'll do that 
on the other side. Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on. Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill. It's Cofield in Colorado. I want to get to our number one topic, guys. And uh, after we got done with our A.J. Cole stuff, uh, let's build on a little more Tom Brady. So, Adam, what's the latest you're hearing with Brady? Because uh, you and I are on the at least on board with the possibility of Brady coming and that it could work. Willie dislikes it a lot. JBT doesn't love it. So where are we right now? I mean, it's it's a waiting game right now. I mean, there's not much that can happen. Obviously, obviously things can happen behind the scenes, but nothing is legally or you know, ethically or however you want to put it within the rules. Nothing's allowed to happen uh, for another, well, the Derek Carr deadline's coming up, but in terms of Brady and league year ending, it's not for uh, another you know month and a half. So um, nothing can formally happen. Uh, we know it was around this time uh, in 2020 where the, Tom Brady, Dana White negotiations were happening. Uh, so maybe some of that is going on as well. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's kind of a holding pattern right now. And I think the, the biggest thing is, does Brady want to play? I think that's the first question to be answered. I know it seems like from, a, you know, a lot of not necessarily reporting, but a lot of uh, speculation that uh, he is going to want to play again. Um, obviously, his answer on the podcast was that he hasn't decided yet. Uh, and he, you know, threw the curse words out to make sure it got attention. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we're waiting to see if he wants to play. And if he wants to play, I think it's pretty clear that the Raiders are the leading candidate. Not not that it's done, but um, the Raiders will be certainly one of the top teams looked at. And, uh, and it'll go from there. But now I know a lot of other teams are being thrown out there. You know, Rex Ryan threw in the, hey, he's going to the Commanders this weekend. Like, I don't know where that came from. Oh so Come on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces, for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm I now on the, on board with the I, – I, I like the the idea of him going to the 49ers. I'm, I'm never going to get on board with him coming here because I don't think it's – I think it's – I think the idea of coming here for McDaniels is that, well, let me let me bring my quick fix to it because it's, it's all I know. Um, it, it, so I, I – would it work? I, I don't. I don't know. It's, it's just too hard because. But I think that for Brady's sake, in in that we've all agreed that he didn't like the way that he went out this season, so he wants to give himself a better shot. I think San Francisco makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, you know, it, it'd be back to an area he knows. Obviously, um, he could easily mentor Lance and Purdy and come yep. into a system and immediately, you know, be in a be in a situation where he's with a contender. I don't believe that the Raiders are a well, contender. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's got units on both sides. He's got an offense. He's got a defense. Real quick, you. real quick, Adam. Yeah. Um, so we actually played this audio suggesting this on Friday, and it's something we've been kind of building towards on Cofield and Company. That depending on what the Niners did in the playoffs with Purdy, like all bets are off about what they're going to do because there was a re- there was a report about ten days ago that Trey Lance could be on the market. And on Friday, Albert Breer went on her sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, was on with Cowherd, and they started – well, he started talking about the idea that, hey, they're in position money-wise, just like Willie was saying. They could keep Lance, Purdy, and use Brady as a one- or two-year bridge. And, frankly, that team is more attractive than the Raiders. Yeah, all those things are true. I think, you know, I would have said no way uh, 
24 hours ago. Yep. But the the injury to Purdy changes all of that. I mean, he may not play this year. Wait, have we heard anything about that being an injury that could last into next season? Well, they're going to try to do it without doing Tommy John, but he might have to get Tommy John. Yeah. So what's the injury? It's a UCL. 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 Well, that's not good. Yeah. That wasn't an ooh, that a happy ooh. Oh no, man, no, no. then that that then that completely that completely changes things. Of course, yeah. Uh, and and you know what? Here's the thing. Adam and I talked yesterday on the air. We talked. We made our predictions. And 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 it, regardless of what side you're on, you just don't want to see. I mean, the way that that went. I, when I first saw the hit, I didn't realize the way that the 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 elbow torqued. So where I was at, I was saying, ah, if it's his wrist, because, you know, everyone's saying the wrist, right? The broadcasters, I was thinking, well, if it's his wrist, Jesus, my wrist gets irritated when I bench too much. And, I, t- you know, the tendons get strained. He, they're going to tape that thing up, shoot it, and he'll be fine. But then when you, they kept showing the replays and I saw that elbow, I was like, oh, man, that's going to be his UCLA. You, I keep saying UCLA. That's going to be his UCL, and that's not good. And I hope it's not torn because that's what pitchers go through. And then he's got a long rehab. Oh, boy. I apologize for missing that. I was uh, en route here or in route here to uh, Fort Collins when that news came down on Brock Purdy and the UCL and that it could be a six-month injury. Holy crap. I mean, either way, you have Trey Lance, who, by the way, is coming off a serious injury yeah. as well. I don't – could you go into next year, uh, you know, off of a, a different rehab for Purdy and Lance with some questions and – I mean, the, I'm not saying the clock is ticking on the Niners, but it, it kind of is. They're a team of now. This team is so friggin' loaded. I mean, is there any way that John Lynch and Little Shanny, like they did three years ago, Brady wanted to go there, and they were like, "Nah, we don't need you. No thanks." They 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 have to change their course on this, don't they, with Brady? Yeah, I mean, I think the injury changes everything for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any question. And you know, whether that's staying with Garoppolo wow. and bringing him back or. Or Brady opening the door now, we'll see. And you know what, Steve, last week, every time you put it to me, and and I would go off about the Raiders situation, I said, I'm not saying Brady can't come here and win. You know, it's not on Brady that he that why he can't come here and win with the Raiders. You put him with a team that's loaded, yes. He's in an advantageous situation. It's not happening here in Las Vegas. Matter of fact, if he comes here and finishes his career, I don't think that they're going to win a Super Bowl. He might make them a playoff contender again and help mentor the right people. But you put him in San Francisco, he's got at least one more shot. I would say he has a legitimate shot to 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 get to the playoffs and possibly get to the Super Bowl. Here, no way. Yeah, we were just saying 10 minutes ago that the Broncos better move off of uh, plan A with Sean Payton. It's just been too long. He ain't coming. And don't leave your, you know, don't leave yourself uh, kind of naked in the whole coaching search, and then have to settle for someone you didn't want in the first place. And Adam and the Raiders probably have to do the same thing. I know they have a long list of, you know, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D. They better start looking seriously at Plan B and C. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Although I think uh, the the 49ers Plan A and B are probably the same as the Raiders Plan A and B, which would be Brady slash Garoppolo. All right. Well, that's that's interesting. Sorry to sound like all disappointed, man. I was I was really fired up about Brady, and then man, this Purdy injury, the UCL injury, kind of changes everything. All right, let, I want to go back to yesterday with the championship games because uh, the way I viewed the the pissing and moaning about the officiating was a lot of people lost their bets, so they were just whining. But Adam, you think there was a lot more to it with the officiating, especially in the Bengals and the Chiefs game? Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I think the 
the easy thing to say um, if you want to talk about the officiating, and everybody does. I mean, that's the storyline coming out of the game for so many people. Um, well, first of all, who's been saying forever every close game is decided by officials? That's me. I, I think every close game is decided by officials. Um, the issue yesterday, I don't think there was a, a call that was incorrect. I mean, if you go back through, every single call that was called was right. I mean, they did stop that play on that third down. I understand why people are frustrated, but absolutely the ref is running out or the, the back judge is running out onto the field to stop the play. No question. Right. Right. Uh, the intentional grounding was intentional grounding. The holds were holds. The late hit was clearly a late. Both feet were out of bounds. Well, like, can we can we go that. can we go back to can we go back to the the official running in and stopping the play, but no one could hear it. Well, why why is it so hard for people to process that that's what happened? They weren't given a fifth down. I, well, just people just don't want to. I mean, I think that's that's it. Okay. Like, I mean, can we be, also, can we be adult? Can we be adult about this? And listen, we all we we're all hard on the officiating, but in that case, we saw what happened. We know what happened. It wasn't some fix or Vegas or something intentional to job the Bengals. No, no, clearly not. The referee, the officials did the exact proper thing on that play. There's no, there's really no debate about that. And and look, I get, I get why Bengals fans are upset about it. Um, but guess you know there was interestingly enough, Steve, a play that helped the Bengals last year that was very similar. Mm, yeah. you know, the, the whistle blew on the touchdown play. Yeah. Now in that case, yep. the Bengals yeah, actually Ra- benefited because they should have done the Raiders play game. over. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they Raiders done game. The play over against the Raiders, and they didn't. Yeah. Um, and what do you say? What do you say all the time about officiating? That it, and you, when and and when you should get mad. Yeah. If you if you are the the beneficiary of a bad call, you should be just as mad as the people that were screwed by it. And, and yeah. I, I saw it yesterday. I saw there was a call earlier in the game that was pretty questionable. I don't remember what it was. And there was somebody uh, in the booth next to us at the Westgate that was was going nuts. And his, you know, the the friends were were on Kansas City, and they said, they said, oh yeah, you, you know, get this ridiculous call, and you're happy about it. He's like, hey, that's the breaks, right? That's the breaks. You got to play with them. And then later in the game, was like, I can't believe the refs did this. I'm like, dude. You were the one earlier in the game that said bad calls just happen. You got to deal with them. You were the same person. What are you? What are you doing now? Now, now the issue is again. I, if you want to find a call that was incorrect, point it out. You're not going to. Uh, those calls were right. The issue that I, I understand people are going to be upset about is there was plenty of calls that could have gone against against Kansas City that didn't. Like the referees chose to throw the flags on Cincinnati and didn't choose to throw them for very similar plays against Kansas City. Now, that can be where you can be, get upset, for sure. That's where officials determine games. It's what what they choose to do and what they choose not to do. You know, I heard another person say yesterday, ah, oh, the referee shouldn't decide the game like that. Well, referees are deciding games by not making calls, too. That's exactly. them deciding the game. Right. No calls are just as yeah. big as I mean, it's the calls. same as making if, a call. If they, don't call. if they don't call that roughing, if they don't call that you know, hit out of bounds – and then they miss whatever it would have been, a 56-yard field goal. Yeah. People would have gone crazy today. Of course. Yeah, of course. And so, so not, throwing a, not throwing a flag. Like, if you say officials shouldn't determine the game in that way, well, they are determining the game if they choose not to throw a flag when it should be a flag. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that play on the out-of-bounds line, I heard somebody saw somebody say, yeah, that's probably a call five out of ten times. Like, no, it's not. It's ten out of no. ten. It's no, every no. single time. It's that's every called. time. That's, that's called every time. You can't do that. And, and you can't get upset about it. I mean, you can get upset about the play, and I guess you can get upset about them choosing to throw the flag, but they, they throw the flag every single time in that situation. And if they don't, again, that's them determining the game by not throwing a flag when they're supposed to. 
Willie, we went on and on. I know you wanted to talk about this. Give me your take. I just don't believe that, <clears throat> you know, I think that there's, again, the it wasn't the best day for NFL officials, but I don't think that the referees provided – I don't think that they, they, they gave us the outcome of these games. I don't think that because of the referees, the Eagles won by 24 points. The Eagles played a methodical football game. They played tremendous defense, as we spoke earlier. Um, the defense did what they were supposed to do, and that was bring a ferocious pass rush. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm glad that Brock Purdy has a torn UCLA. I actually I feel really bad for that kid because he's a good kid. He's come a long way from Tucson. Um, but they won the game. The, yeah, but the, what about the Bengals and the Chiefs? Because that's Chiefs, what we were. Right. No, I understand, and I'm going to that. Yeah. The Chiefs won the game. You had to cut. You you have to call the roughing the passer out of bounds. And I, I look at the. I try to go and look at the 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 numbers. You know, as far as overall, this is another game where the the losing team had more penalties. Nine versus four. Penalty yards weren't that big, 71 out of 55. First downs by penalty, Chiefs got three, Bengals got one. Um, Again, it came down to the last few seconds, so I'm I'm not ready to blame it on the refs. And and the penalty that pushed them into field goal position, it was a penalty. It was was a roughing the passer. I'll say one thing that needs to absolutely be addressed is the replay situations, especially because we are now at a point which I kind of like, that if something's very obvious, they don't make you use a challenge. You know, they'll say, hey, we saw this already. We're good. We're moving on. We, we're changing the call. But, man, you can't do that sometimes and not others. You can't do that. It's not fair to the teams. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, wrapping up championship weekend on Cofield and company, Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield, and Adam Hill. We have NFL news in today, and like I said, boy, I had missed the uh, in the last 90 minutes the news that Brock Purdy does have a serious injury. There was a reason he couldn't throw yesterday. He's got a UCL injury, which you can go with two routes, right? Adam, you can go with surgery, or what's the other solution? Well, it sounds like they're going to try to do, like, a partial surgery. Yeah, it's torn. Oh, okay. uh, but they're not going to do a Tommy John um, yet. But I think that's the risk is that if you try this and it doesn't work, now you're setting your timeline back even further. Yep. But that said, they do. I, mean, they do, I think they still have uh, high hopes for Trey Lance, and we've barely seen him play. I guess they could go with the, uh, what is it, Willie, the platelet-rich huh. plasma oh. and try to heal it that way? Yeah. I, and I'm familiar not with it per se personally, but that was something that was presented to me when I had meniscus surgery is having some something, you know, different where and then they try, it just tries to build it naturally. And uh, that's obviously for someone like me, it's costly. For someone like him, it's not. But uh, I, it's, it's so disheartening for this kid, man. It's just heartbreaking. Um, and, and unfortunately, I to say this, but... I think if it's torn and one of the thi- if you're trying to divert to expedite his return, but Tommy John is probably the way to go, then you should probably do Tommy John and put him through the same rehab and and um, 
you know, training and what he has to do to get back and then plan on the 2023 season because, you know, hey, we've seen a a lot of high stakes, big time pitchers come back after Tommy John and actually be stronger after it. So I I just wouldn't want to risk it and, and, and try something alternative if there's no proof in the pudding, man, because it you could not only do you put your timeline back, as Adam said, but you run you run the risk of something going even worse. I mean, you you just don't want to do that. So before the Brock Purdy news became the biggest NFL news of the day, the other big news today, Adam, or the last day and a half is Kellen Moore going bye bye from the Cowboys. Then it leaks out that Mike McCarthy might be the guy who's going to be calling the plays. The Chargers, after doing, I think, like 15 or 16 interviews in less than a day, scoop up Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting decision. I mean, obviously, Kellen Moore is a, a hot name in the coaching circles, you know, the last couple of years. And this year kind of fizzled out a little bit. Now, whether that was him or whether that was Dak struggling uh, and being injured, it's, you know, it's not clear. Uh, but I think we'll you know we'll find out how they work with Justin Herbert. I think it'll be uh, a fascinating monitor uh, throughout you know the offseason and through into the season how they use him and does it change? I mean, one of the uh, biggest you know r- you know uh, shots at Herbert the last couple of years has been uh, that he doesn't take shots downfield. That his average depth of target is so low. And was that the offense or was that him? Uh, was that them giving him deep shots but him turning it down and, sh- and throwing short? Uh, we'll see, and we'll see if Kellen Moore can get creative to the point where he's able to, you know, get him to go down the field a little bit more, which I think he's more than capable of based on his talent, but just hasn't really done it often enough. Willie, your Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, offensive coordinator. Good luck. Boy, saw first <laughs> saw firsthand here in Las Vegas. Uh, yep. I, 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 By the way, I, this is also the reason – that right now, Sean Payton should be looking at jobs and going, I am getting absolutely what I want, or I'm not taking a job this year because the Cowboys' job will be, be open, open next year. That's that's exactly right. That's right. And, and I think that that is, uh, I think that that is 100 what's on his mind. We we spoke earlier just in terms of like you know his. Look, Chargers' job is off the table. If he was going to take the Broncos' job, he would have. I'll entertain all these, but the bottom line is, if if he if he wasn't going to the Chargers, you know, the Staley's staying there, then you might as well just stay put and wait until the Cowboys' job opens up because that's where the money's going to be, and it's and and we all know that Jerry Jones, you know, he's going to open the pocketbook for him. Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. Von Tobel. All right, let's get to uh, John Von Tobel from Vsin here with uh, Cofield and Willie and Adam Hill. John, how you doing? John just doesn't like us. He doesn't want to talk to us. Clearly, he's giving us a silent treatment. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I, uh, there he is. I'm here. There you are. There. Um, right off the bat, I I thought something was weird yesterday. You had told me via text that you really did well with your betting on the championship games, but you didn't send out tweets to mention you did well. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, I guess that's how it's supposed to go. Now, I will say, I did have a couple of drinks at Adam Hill, who was sitting next to me the entire time, knew how well I was doing. So it's not like I was entirely quiet. 
uh, about everything, but uh, I think that's my big mistake. Sports betting Twitter, you have to send out small sample size wins and to tell everybody how well you have done. But uh, no, I didn't do that. You know, no, no, uh, no, doing that when you win because then you don't do it when you lose. You just kind of just go along, man. There's no need. That's so, called the Mayweather. Exactly, it's true. Yeah, Only said that that's called the Mayweather. Uh, John, I will say, John, John did uh, very well on the first game, and I, I had almost the exact same situation on the second game. So. Uh, you had left, and uh, you had a couple of celebratory drinks, as you said, uh, but you crushed the first game. I think you, you you just kept loading up on the Eagles and then bet them in-game again after the injury, uh, and it came through and worked. Um, I In the second game, I had the uh, I had the plus one on the Chiefs, and I had Chiefs money line, and then I had plus eight on the Bengals in-game. So we kind of worked out opposite games yesterday, John. Yes, I, well, I enjoy it. I also so. I went on that in-game under as well uh, when it looked like there was going to be nothing but handoffs for the Philadelphia <laughs> yeah. Eagles because there was a one-armed quarterback on the other side. Um, yeah, and then for the, the uh, AFC game, I had a Cincinnati future that I had to work off of as well on the, to win the Super Bowl. So, no, it was a really good day. I mean, those come those do not come very often where it's kind of just sitting back. Like It's funny, like throughout the entire week leading up to the AFC Championship game, I kept getting people asked, like, hey, you know, because of my job, like, hey, what do you like in the AFC Championship game? And my response was every time, I don't know, I mean, I've kind of set up. I don't really care what happens <laughs> for the most part, but uh, it was a good weekend. So when I lose my butt when the Super Bowl comes around, um, let's not bring it up. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I want to get your take on this because I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and I sent out a couple tweets about it last night, but people talking about how dominant the Eagles' defense was yesterday. Like, seriously? Yeah. I mean, I would say they got off to a solid start, and their pass rush was the reason why Brock Purdy got hurt, as that was pointed out to you, Adam. Um, but if you're like using the entire game as a sample size of their dominance, I don't know what to tell you. When you're on your fifth string quarterback who eventually gets concussed, they bring back in a quarterback who cannot throw more than five yards downfield, and they're in the situation, the 49ers, that is, uh, that they were in. So I don't think – I mean, look, So, so I'm going to jump in here. So you're, you're telling me that you, you couldn't tell if they were dominant, but the beginning of the, the lack of evidence of dominance was the fact that they knocked two quarterbacks out of the game. That's defensive well, dominance. That's not. Well, those, I mean, those aren't lucky breaks. I mean, I'm not saying they're lucky breaks or like not. I'm like their pass rush got to them, and that was the result of the pass rush, right? Like it was a good pass rush. I even think it said that the pass rush was really solid yesterday. Yeah. But like when you're talking about dominance, you're talking about both sides of the ball. I mean, Adam and I were both watching that. You know, I went in on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the first what 20 minutes of that, Adam, I was yeah. I was that was not very like it was not uh, something I was confident in. Eagles did not look good. No. I don't think Jalen Hurts looked good at all in that game. His accuracy was all over the place. He missed A.J. Brown downfield on what would have been a touchdown. Uh, the offense was very disjointed. Uh, look, luck is not part of it because I guess they were, you know, they delivered themselves the ability to win the game the way they did because they injured the opposing quarterbacks. But if you came out of that game saying 31 7, this Eagles team is the best in the National Football League, they're going to wrap this thing up in the Super Bowl. I, I think you watched that game incorrectly because I think you have a lot of questions about how this offense is going to look when you get up against Kansas City because I didn't think Jalen Hurts played particularly well. Yeah, agree. Who on the show has jumped on the Chiefs? It sounds like you want a lot of anti-Eagle plays in this game, John. Uh, for the Super Bowl, yeah, I've already bet Chiefs money line. Um, I'll have to look. I can't remember what price I bet it on, but I, I've got Chiefs money line here. And then, uh, and then we'll see what goes on from there if it continues to go up. I don't think, like, the reason why I jumped in, too, is because there was a lot of talk about, hey, it's going to get to three and start to get up a little bit. 
but I don't think that's going to be the case. We're starting to see some places already come back to that one and a half, two mark. So I think two and a half is probably the ceiling here. And that's where I kind of want to jump in. But yes, I went in on Chiefs money line in this game already. And I think, like, I'll, I'll point out, like, I, the the line movement yesterday was very, very interesting. I, I thought, and it's something to talk about yep. that um, after the. So I, I will say I talked to multiple sportsbook directors about halftime of the Chiefs game, and they said, yeah, Chiefs two and a half, maybe three, but probably two and a half. Uh, Eagles did not look good at all in their win. Chiefs are looking pretty good. Now, obviously, the second half changed things, but then they put it up. A couple places did put it up. Chiefs minus two and a half right away, and you saw immediate action on the Eagles. And to me, that was, oh, the Chiefs only got there because they got lucky with some flags. Well, what did the, what did the Eagles do? Like right. that, that was the part, that, to me, that was like this overreaction to, hey, the Chiefs got lucky for some flags. Well, the Eagles played a team that literally could not, could not throw a pass. Right. Well, and I also think, too, Adam, I thought the market was kind of freaking out, too, uh, because of the wide receiver injuries for the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs, right? But, like, we have two weeks until the game. <laughs> like, they're not playing tomorrow. So I think that, I think it was twofold. It might have been method of victory. It might be the thought process of Patrick Mahomes and his ankle injury yet again uh, and what the market saw last. But I think a lot of that, too, had to do with you saw some of, like, oh, I don't know if this Chiefs team is going to be healthy by the time he gets. Well, first off, it, well, there's a couple of things, right? One, you know, they're probably going to be mostly healthy, at least as healthy as you can be by the time we get to the Super Bowl two weeks from now. The other part is it's not the same situation they were in when they played Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl because those were cluster injuries along the offensive line. Those are much more impactful than missing one, maybe two wide receivers in that offense. So, I, like I thought, to your point, I thought the market was overacting, but maybe for a different way. I thought the market was overvaluing or overreacting to the injuries for the wide receivers of the Kansas City Chiefs, not really taking into account that there's two weeks between these, uh, you know, the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. John Von Tobel with us from Vison. We got a couple more minutes with John, so some non-NFL topics to hit. Uh, exactly what happened this weekend with LeBron? Uh, I thought he got shot. Right? Was there a sniper like in the building, <laughs> and was he like taken out? Um, <laughs> like that was. So LeBron James, for those who missed it, they play the Celtics. Uh, he goes up at the end of regulation. It's a tie game. He's clearly fouled. It's not called. And he is, like, over-the-top dramatic with, like, the, the theatrics afterwards of not getting that foul call. They end up losing that game, which, by the way, like, I, I think the Lakers did this on purpose. You can still play five minutes. Like, I get it. You got screwed. But, like, they completely quit once they got into overtime. So I think they could continue on the narrative of, hey, they were screwed in this game. But, the, like, the... The falling to the floor and like the hands and the, like the head and the hands and like everything. I I don't know where that came from. I mean, I get it. LeBron's kind of old and he's been doing a lot this year and he's having a great season. So maybe it all just came out. But that was wild to see the reaction. But also kudos to Pat Beverly for what I think is one of the best technical fouls I've ever seen get called when he brought a camera over to the ref to show him a still shot of the foul that Jason Tatum committed on LeBron. That was awesome. That part. I want to. <clears throat> I want to touch on on a team that I don't think anybody had etched in here as we were approaching the All Star break. JVT. I mean, sure, the East, Eastern Conference: Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn. Right? Denver, Memphis, and wait a minute, what? Sacramento, Kings, twenty seven and twenty one, sitting in third in the Western Conference. What's going on with this team? I mean, they're one of the best offenses in the NBA, Willie. Now, they're in the midst of a stretch. I think they're like 1-4, and 1-5 and five in their last six or five, somewhere in that range. I mean, they've, they've done a brilliant job. And the combination of DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox have been really, really good on the offensive end of the floor. The problem I think you're going to run into with the Sacramento Kings is they're 23rd in defensive efficiency. Right? They're giving up 116 points for 100 possessions. They have the second-best offense in the NBA. They're averaging 118.6 points per 100 possessions. 
but over the course of those 100 possessions, only outscoring opponents by two and a half points because their defense has been so bad. That's, that is maybe something in the regular season that could get you some wins, right? Especially in a Western Conference that seems pretty weak at this point right now, although teams like the Warriors and the Clippers are starting to get healthy and, and find some momentum. Uh, but I, I, would not, I would not be expecting anything big picture-wise in terms of competing for the Western Conference or the NBA Finals with the way that Sacramento plays. That is a, that is a way of playing basketball that gets very quickly exposed in a best-of-seven series against some of the better teams in the league. John, i got about a minute left, uh, so we can close out on escalators or horseradish. Where do you want to go? Horseradish. Let's do it. (laughs) It sucks. What did you try it with? Uh, It was on a steak sandwich. They they put it on a steak sandwich. So I I tried it. It was two different steak sandwiches, by the way, from two different places. So, (laughs) like, the taste was terrible. And don't come at me. I had somebody be like, yeah, if you're a Nancy. I'm like, no, it's not hot. Like, it's not spicy at all. Okay? I love spice. The spice isn't the problem. The problem is that it tastes like butt. And I don't enjoy that. So horseradish off the list for me. Now I will say, because I'm a yes. man, I'm open to experiences. Some say prime rib and horseradish is good. I will give it oh. one more shot. But I, I oh think God. the taste of horseradish is very, very poor. Did you go with real horseradish or creamy? Uh, you'll have to ask the people that put it on the sandwich. One was from a, a, a certain chain sandwich shop that's pretty, like, you know, like upper crust chain sandwich shop. And the other yeah. was from a spot downtown. I'm guessing creamy, and creamy does not compare to real. Okay. What's the difference? I mean, outside of not being creamy. Uh, real is a little harsher, and you, you don't want to get too much in one swig. Yeah. Okay. I'll say, John, I, I'm not, I hate horseradish. I'm kind of in your boat, and then I tried it on the prime rib, and it worked. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll try it. I'm down yeah. for anything. I just. I also don't like wasabi. I know it's like in the I same do. family. Yeah, like the flavor of wasabi is pretty gross to me, too. Yeah. All right. When you're on later in the week, do we get into the escalators? All right, John? Thank you. All right. See you guys. There he is, John Von Toll. We got the five o'clock hour on the way. Reno goes bye bye, but make sure you listen to the archives of the show at lvsportsnetwork.com or you can keep listening. Uh, the show is on every day between three and six at lvsportsnetwork.com, but we don't want you to stick, or we do want you to stick with uh, ESPN Reno as long as you can. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers.